folks. The Field and Garden Podcast is honored to be partnering with the Growing for Market magazine. They have been publishing practical ideas and information for direct market flower and vegetable growers for over 31 years. All the articles are written by farmers who get their hands dirty and know what they're doing. The magazine is still on the same mission as when the Flower Farmer book author Lynn Bozinski founded this magazine back in 1992 to connect growers with the best ideas from other growers. There is dedicated flower content in every magazine, a decade's worth of back issues and over 1,600 archived articles from writers like Aaron Benzenkang, Gretel Adams, Pamela and Frank Arnowski, and Jonathan and Megan Lease, all available on the website. With 10 new issues every year available on paper, digital, or both, you're guaranteed to find something to fine-tune your farm and growing for market. So if you do farmer's markets, CSA, farm stands, pick your own florist sales, or wholesaling, whether you're a commercial grower or you just want to grow like one, subscribe to Growing for Market for the nitty-gritty details of growing, marketing, and the business of local farming. And I have a special offer for you. Use the coupon code WORKSHOP to get 25% off any subscription to the original Farmer to Farmer magazine at growingformarket.com. Hey folks, welcome back to another Field and Garden podcast. It is your friend, Lisa, and I'm glad you're here today. I am... I get a lot of questions about how I have kind of stuck with starting my business and um, kind of keeping after the flower farming gig. Now for, I mean, this coming year in 2023 will be 25 years, right? And so I thought I would kind of share what I see as the guiding light in my um, business. And it's not my business plan because this is just kind of the way it happened. I wished I could take the credit to say, I am so well planned. I just knew this from the get-go, but that in fact is not true. But before we jump in, if you're new here, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, We are the Gardener's Workshop. Um, The Gardener's Workshop actually brings you this podcast, as well as the new podcast, Seed Talk, um, which you can also find on podcast apps everywhere. It is discussions between me and Lane and the occasional guest. Um, And Lane is our seed manager at the Gardener's Workshop, as well as she is an avid gardener, a seed starter, and an engineer. So she brings kind of a whole new perspective um, to some of those topics. And she has gathered up many of the questions that we hear over and over again pertaining to whatever season we're in when we record. And um, we talk about it and hopefully bring some more insight to folks and help them with that. So check out Seed Talk with Lisa and Lane on your podcast. So friends, you can find all kinds of resources over at thegardenersworkshop.com 
And this is your invitation to fall on over and have a look and see what we have. So I, um, I'm realizing that my little case study of my business has brought out some, um, I guess, some points that I thought I would just talk about here because I do feel like you see it all over, everywhere, on social media, in magazines, in books, about how people um, grow their businesses and oftentimes it's by saying that they work all the time and work so hard and adding new stuff and seeking and conquering the latest and greatest. And I think that I grew into a business that is kind of like the complete opposite of those things. Um, and so, and one of the things that seems to be at the root of that, I'm realizing, is my ability to resist that shiny object syndrome, which is, you know, the constant distractions and new opportunities, um, which can totally derail us. You know, before you even get what you're doing under your belt and being successful at it and seeing, you know, how is this going to work out? We're reaching for new stuff. And in flower farming, for me, that was different and new ways of doing things and adding new crops constantly um, that were the derailing. So I'm going to say that the secret to my success, and I would say it was from my small-mindedness, is resisting those shiny objects, which um, come... I guess what I want to say is we feel like once we resist, you're done. That is not true. I'm here to tell you that the shiny object syndrome continues to be dangled in front of you as you grow your business. And when I say grow your business, that just means staying in business. You know, I mean, the I don't know what the numbers are. I didn't look because I didn't think far enough ahead. Um you know, very few businesses actually are still here in three years and in five years and in seven years and in 10 years. I mean, it's pretty phenomenal for a business owner to stay in business for the long haul. Um, that's one of the things that I am so very, very proud of for me, but I had such mentors, um, I've said in the past that I come from a family of a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and one of married to one. His dad started the business, their family business in 1969. And it was then um, was handed over, um, not just handed over as in gifting, but the next generation, which is my husband, his brother and his sister, took the reins about 20 to 25 years ago. And now the reins are being prepared to hand over to the next generation of which there's three family members that are stepping into that role. That is phenomenal, y'all. That is phenomenal. And I see that they've done what I'm doing 
is what I watched them do. And it's resisting. It's resisting those constant distractions and new opportunities. I'm not saying you don't, you know, freshen your business up and add new opportunities as they arise that are a proper fit. But these opportunities, um, you never outgrow the constant distractions. So you have to constantly, and I do mean constantly, learn to resist how to say no to all these new things. So as your business gets better and better and more and more successful, the more things you have to say no to get better and better too. You know what I mean? They get shinier. It's like, oh my gosh, I need to do that. And I'm not saying I haven't fallen for that. But here is the case in point. The secret to my success um, through the years, kind of like my case study, is friends, basically I have grown the same crops over and over again for the past 25 years. And I was kind of forced to do that because, because I can't have hoop and greenhouses um, in my urban setting. My city ordinances don't really allow that. I was kind of forced to exploit those basic crops that are highly recommended that people learn how to start and learn how to farm. You know, because it's so different than gardening. I mean, everything from, not to mention the growing side of it, it's flower farming as a business is like very different from actually growing a home garden, right? Because a lot of people just think, oh gosh, I'm just going to ramp up. I'm just going to grow more of what I'm doing. Um, And they don't realize the way you go about it is so very, very different. The efficiencies... Um, the cost effectiveness, um, the need for a lot of the gardening tasks that you and I as gardeners were like on and knowing what we were doing totally don't even relate to flower farming. Um, I often say it would be what happens because it seems that it's so easy for people to think they can bridge from a home gardener to a flower farmer because they can just walk outside and they think they can just supersize their garden and start selling it is the leading cause of why there's so many people failing. It would be like waking up tomorrow morning and let's just say you decide that you're going to go lease a space and start selling copy machines and you know absolutely nothing about copiers. I mean, nobody would do that, right? Well, that's what people do every single day in flower farming because they can, because they are already a gardener and they seem to have space. They think that they can just go out there and do it. Well, anyway, so that's one of the reasons we have such a high failure rate in business because people are so not equipped. So... In my business model, um, I, you know, tried to do the footwork and did do the footwork to get the education. I did bring business um, experience into this with me, but because I was not able to instantly, after a year or two, to put up some hoop houses or a greenhouse and 
that just brings a whole nother level of crops for you to sell, right? Whole new ballpark, totally different environment. I just got better and better at what I could grow in my environment. And I was forced to say no to a lot of those shiny objects, a lot of those crops. Um, and I did dabble in some of those crops and they weren't very easy to grow in my environment because I didn't have their preferred growing conditions and it made it really, really hard. So as my business kind of really became successful, I literally just, after I experimented with, I mean, I grew tulips, I grew lilies and crates, I grew other bulb crops and crates, I grew some of those um, crops that just really, you can do it outside, but the risk factor is so much higher. And when I say risk, I mean losing money by whether the weather screws you up because you don't have them undercover or creatures mess it up. You know, again, because I live in the city, I can't have a deer fence, a true deer fence to prevent deer coming in in one night and eating all of your lily crates to the ground. I mean, what a financial loss that is, right? And all of a sudden, one day I realized, you know what? All this other stuff over here that is growing great, that really work well in my environment, that I am selling every single week, week after week after week. Why? But I never have enough of many of it for all of my customers to have it week after week. Why am I not just growing more of that? Bingo. There's the bottom line. And that's when I woke up and realized, all right, I just have to resist all those shiny objects because the things that I should be getting up and doing day after day are right here. But they aren't shiny. They're just matte finish, y'all. I mean, the, the not shiny finish, right? So I just have learned that as... I mean, why would I not want to just get up and keep doing the things that are successful already instead of trying new stuff that potentially is risky? And when I say risk, I just mean that when I screw it up, whether that's weather or varmints or lack of knowledge to know what the heck I'm doing or to not have customers waiting at my door to buy whatever it is that I grow, when I don't sell those crops that were high investments, that can kill my bottom line. So I guess what I am learned what I am trying to say is that as you seek and experience success, the level of distractions and new opportunities get richer and better and more enticing. And you have to become better at saying, nope, that one's not for me. I'm not saying that I don't grow new varieties of seeds and um, new, you know, new colors of this or that or new varieties of snaps or new varieties of 
whatever, I am saying that the long haul success of my business has been rooted in staying in my lane that is within my reach because I wanted to create a business that was successful, that had profit, that I could feather my nest with, whatever your nest is, whether that's, you know, paying the mortgage. I, you know, how awesome is it for your family, whatever that looks like, you know, whether it's just you or you have a partner or you have a flock of kids, how awesome would it be to say, all right, the next five years, I want to pay five or 10 or 20 or 30 or $50,000 towards our mortgage every year to get rid of that mortgage, to pay for our land. You know, I mean, that's what I see as success. It's not, it's kind of rooting in my my life, not buying more shiny objects. Um, and by resisting shiny objects within my business has carried me through, you know, because it gets harder and harder. Once you say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm here to tell you that the shiny objects, that carrot constantly is dang. If you're on social media and you're reading trade magazines um, getting quarterlies from the ASCFG, there is constant new opportunities. So you, I just decided that we got up every day, five days a week, and did the same thing over and over and over again. I learned to grow the crops that I could sell week after week. And um, so another thing, you know, a lot of people want to, um, or get involved in the events market. And that's great. But what I found with events market is, first off, you have to have a lot of event customers to be able to sell every single week of your growing season. And you have to have the right colors for the right events and even the right flowers, right? And this is something I just talked to Ellen Frost about um, as she has massaged her or is massaging her business to do less focused weddings, doing less weddings, basically, where you have to really um, have specific colors on specific dates that she can purchase from her local growers. She's doing more generalized sales and what that means is the opportunity is open. So when I realized that the customers that I wanted to sell to, which were florist and supermarkets and my members only market and my bouquet subscriptions, those people would take whatever I had because they just wanted a consistent quality product. It just opened the door. So yeah, I could throw in a little wild card from time to time and they would buy it but it didn't have to be a speci- it didn't have to be cookie cutter it is so hard y'all um to resist those shiny objects um and i'm just here to say that don't think once you say yep that's what i'm going to do those shiny objects get brighter 
and hotter. They get they get more enticing. They wet your appetite even more as you get more business under your belt. So don't think it's a one and done. You saying I'm done with that? No. Every single day you have to resist. And I'm here to tell you that <laughs> as you grow your business, you get bigger as those objects get shinier and you fall for one, the risk is higher. Um, and, you know, the more attractive the object is, the more costly it is as, the, as your business grows. And um, I have just learned that, and we, I mean, this happens whether it's your flower farming business, we find it for our online store constantly we are battled with people, salespeople wanting us to add a new product to our line. But our line, we have to constantly remind our, remind ourselves, is based on what we use as farmers and avid home gardeners. And it's so hard, y'all. It is so, so hard. Um, we There's this one tool of which I'm not going to mention that we have brought back over the years a couple of times, and we just don't sell it very well. And it's because I don't use it. Um, I know a lot of people that do use it and love it. We used to sell the heck out of it at the Christmas shopping shows where I we would, you know, the person that loved that tool would be there telling people, oh my gosh, this is how I use it. But when it's just on our website and I, because I am the face of our business and talking about how I do things and I would never mention it, it just was not a hot seller. That is just such a great example of what I'm talking about. When you are growing and loving and using what your business does, other people want it. That is the bottom line. But here's the thing. Most people want to get up and try something new every day, and that is not me. I could eat the same thing for breakfast every single morning, and in fact, I do. You know, I can drink the same drink Um so maybe that's what's different about me. While I'm an entrepreneur and I'm always looking at new innovation and new things, I really resist saying yes to those things that don't fit my goals and fit into my picture of not being a super specialized um, niche. And there you go, friends. So, folks, I was just um, feeling kind of like I needed to say to people, don't think that you get that the, the challenges of daily be having to resist never goes away. I'm here to tell you I have to still resist them every single day. And my business was built on growing the same crops over and over and having the real challenge is having a consistent quality supply of flowers as early and as late as I can within my reach. I've also learned not to try to have zinnias any earlier. I've learned that cool flowers fills that first two to three months of the season when it's cold at night, cool during the days. That's where cool flowers has changed my world. And then we get our zinnias planted on all those warm season things that really rule our warm season seasons. 
we get them in at their proper planting time because we're busy with cool flowers and so forth and so on. So there you go, friends. Low risk, high profit is what I'm all about. And, um, you know, I'm not a dice roller is what this is basically saying because I wanted to build a really successful business. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, folks, I would really appreciate it if you're enjoying my podcast, Field and Garden. Would love for you to drop a review, share it with your friends. Um, and if you're over on YouTube, give us a subscribe, listening to this. Um, so, friends, until we meet again, what is your shiny object that you fell for? that maybe you're realizing now you shouldn't have, right? All right, friends. Ciao.